Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Well, if you have your copy of Scripture, go ahead and grab that. And we're going to go to the book of Judges, chapter 15. Judges, chapter 15. I'll meet you there in just a moment. Judges, chapter 15. As you're turning to Judges 15, just listen. I'm going to read some words from Psalm chapter 12. It says, Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. For those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips but harbor deception in their hearts. He says, You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. That's God's word for us this morning. I'll pray once more and we'll begin. Father, you are so steadfast and loyal and faithful and true. We rejoice in that. We thank you for that today, and we thank you for bringing us here today. And I pray that the preaching of your word, your people would be fed, and that you ultimately would be glorified. And we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you this morning. Uh, We're continuing, uh, as Ben said, our series through Samson. We looked last week at young Samson in Judges chapter 14, stepping onto the scene as a young man. Today, we're going to continue that. And uh, we'll start it here. Uh, Credence Clearwater Revival was one of the finest rock bands in American history. Can I get an amen? Uh, Okay, all right, thank you, yeah. And in a two-year window, they were absolutely on fire. Between 1969 and 1971, listen to this, they had 14 consecutive top 10 singles, five consecutive top 10 albums, two of those albums reached number one. And in 1969 alone, they released three incredible albums, like legendary output, like no one does that kind of output in such a short window of time. And by 1970, the Beatles had broken up and CCR, Credence, was the biggest band in the world at that time. But amidst that legendary output, they were disintegrating as a band. As they worked on their next album, the lead singer, John Fogarty, wrote a song you've probably heard called, Have You Ever Seen the Rain? Let's listen to just a piece of it right here. Chorus asks that haunting question, right? It says, I want to know, have you ever seen the rain? I want to know, have you ever seen the rain coming down on sunny days? On Spotify, it's their most streamed song. I checked it earlier. It's been streamed over one billion times. And this is what John Fogarty, the lead singer, this is what he said about the song. He said, quote, the song is really about the impending breakup of credence. The imagery is 
You can have a bright, beautiful, sunny day, and it could be raining at the same time. The band was breaking up. This is all getting serious right at the time we should be having a sunny day. And I think the song captures that so well. It's this beautiful, haunting, melancholy feel to it. It's yet another brilliant song by this band that was about to end. And Judges 15, as I studied it and as I worked through it, man, it feels, feels like that. It feels like rain come down on a sunny day. We're going to have young Samson in his prime with all the advantages and all the things we talked about last week, and yet the rain won't stop because he and all the men of Israel keep making wrong, sinful choices. The rain won't stop. Everyone in Israel, it feels like Israel is about to break up in a way. And because we talked about last week, that slippery slope of sin, man, disasters are coming. Rain is coming down. In fact, to complete the theme, did you know that Samson's name in Hebrew means sunny? I bet his parents, after receiving that promise from the Lord, thought, man, this is, this is going to be the one. This, our son, Sonny, Samson, he's going to be the one to bring a new day to Israel. And yet, Judges 15, what we're about to just look at, man, there's rain coming down on a sunny day. I've titled the message, Have You Ever Seen the Rain? Because I feel that's what this chapter is. It's melancholy. It's disheartening to see something so promising coming apart because of sinful people making sinful choices. But here's what's amazing about God and his word. If we're wise, we can listen and we can learn how we can persevere, how we can hold on to hope when the rain clouds show up in our life. So three things we can see about that today. Number one, we choose our role. Choose your role over revenge. Number two, you commit to courage over cowardice. And number three, you celebrate provision over pride. Uh, content recommendation, of course, I would commend CCR uh, to you. Uh, that feels like it only makes sense. But another song I'd commend to you as well, it's called You Are the One by an artist called Seven Day Jesus, talking about the God who brings the rain and sustains us through it. Uh, so let's get to it. How do we hold on to hope in the midst of rainy days? First, you choose your role over revenge. You're there in uh, Judges 15. Go with me, starting in verse 1. It says this, After a while, in the time of wheat harvest, Samson visited his wife with a young goat and said, I will go into my wife in her room. But her father did not let him enter. Her father said, I really thought you hated her intensely, so I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please let her be yours instead. Samson said to them, this time I shall be blameless in regard to the Philistines when I do to them harm. So Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches and turned the foxes tail to tail and put one torch in the middle between two tails. When he had set fire to the torches, he released the foxes into the standing grain of the Philistines, thus burning up both the shocks and the standing grain, along with the vineyards and the groves. Then the Philistines said, who did this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he took his wife and gave her to his companion. So the Philistines came and burned her and her father with fire. Verse 7, Samson said to them, since you act like this, I will surely take revenge on you, but, but after that I will quit. He struck them ruthlessly with a great slaughter, and he went down and lived in the cleft of the rock of Edom. Judges 14, last week we looked at, was all about young Samson making some really impactful choices in his life, and in almost every choice he made, he went away from the Lord. 
He went away from obedience. We called it the slippery slope of sin because one step down will lead to another. And if you don't address it, it can end up sliding down into a pit. And that's where Samson is now. And all the back and forth he had with the Philistines in chapter 14, guess what? Nothing's been settled. Conflict only escalates here. Here's what we've seen so far. Samson is called to be a judge for Israel, that is a leader who will follow God while bringing about victory. And instead, Samson focuses on personal revenge. And so the rain clouds begin to show up on a sunny day. The rain of revenge starts to flood the earth. Did you know that potato chips as a product began out of revenge? I didn't know this either, but I looked up the history. Uh, there was a real guy, his name, he's a chef. His name was George Crum, a chef named Crum. That's amazing. Uh, in Saratoga, New York, and a popular dish at the time was called fried potatoes. And one day a customer comes in and orders these fried potatoes. And so George Crum makes it and sends it out. The customer was unhappy with it, sent it back and said the potatoes were too thick. So George Crum cut them thinner, redid the dish, sent it back out. Customer wasn't satisfied, sent it back another time. Said they're still too thick. George Crum cut them even thinner, sent it back out. And yet another time, the customer said, this is still, these potatoes are way too thick. And so he sent it back, and George Crum had had about enough. And so he cut the potatoes as thin as he could and doused them in salt and said, all right, let's see how he likes that. And he sent it back out, and because the customer's American, he was like, this is amazing. This is great. And thus, potato chips were born. Didn't know that. And it became a very popular product. Years later, Pringles created that classic slogan, once you pop, you can't stop. What a brilliant slogan, right? It rhymes. It tells you your future. Like, it's really, it's smart. You look at Judges 14 and Judges 15, what we just read, you see Samson choosing to focus on revenge every time. And I would say this, sin, especially revenge, is very similar to open up some Pringles. Once you pop, it's not easy to stop. Think about what Samson is not doing, right? He's not gathering men for a military force. He's not training and planning for battle. He's not preparing an attack. He's not advancing upon the enemy. All these things he should be doing as a judge, as a military leader. Instead, he's saying, no, I'm going to have revenge on these guys. Verse 7, I think, is a chilling statement. He says it this way, I will surely take revenge on you. Look at this. But after that, I'll quit. Samson thinks he's in control and just can stop at any time. Sin often doesn't work that way. Once you pop, it's hard to stop. Samson's in that. Here's a lie from the enemy. Sin, is all, sin always lies by insisting that it's easily manageable. You can do evil this one time, but after that, you can quit. Ever heard that before in your mind? You can say this one time, but after that, you'll stop. You can look at this one time, but after that, you'll quit. You can go to this place one time, but after that, you'll stop. You can do this activity one time, but after that, you can stop. It's dangerous. Samson keeps seeking revenge, and the Philistines keep seeking revenge. And guess what? When both are focused on revenge, nothing is solved. The violence only escalates. His focus, like our own, should be on our role 
what God has called us to, right? Think about this. Like, where has God placed you in life? Where has God gifted you? Ben talked about even in the announcements, like the the worship team, right? Where has God gifted you? What is God doing in your life? That's what you're to be focused on. Hear the wisdom of Scripture here. Colossians 1.10 says, Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fulfilling, uh, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Nowhere does Scripture say, hey, go out and seek your revenge. It says, no, focus on what God has called you and gifted you for. So let's summarize it this way. Satan wants to trap you in the cycle of escalating sin. God wants you to accomplish great things for His glory that matter for eternity. Follow Him. Choose your role over revenge. Some questions to consider here. First, where have I, when have I experienced the lie that sin is easily manageable? Have I asked forgiveness for that, and am I walking in freedom now? Secondly, what gifts and talents has God generously given to me? How am I developing and employing that to serve Him and others? So, you choose your role over revenge. Secondly, you commit to courage over cowardice. Go to verse 9 with me. It says, Then the Philistines went up and camped in Judah and spread out in Lahai. The men of Judah said, why have you come up against us? And they said, we have come up to bind Samson in order to do to him as he did to us. More revenge. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of rock of Edom and said to Samson, do you not know the Philistines are rulers over us? What What then is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, as they did to me, so I have done to them. They said to him, we have come down to bind you so that we may give you into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, swear to me that you will not kill me. Verse 13. So they said to him, no, but we will bind you fast and give you into their hands. Yet surely we will not kill you. Then they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. And what we just read to me is one of the more sadder portions of Scripture. And think about that. A leader of God's people, this mighty judge, he's hiding in a rock. He's hiding in a cave. Cave. God's people come out to capture him and hand him over to the enemy. The people of Israel would rather stay in bondage underneath the Philistine rule than support their leader that God has given to them. That's, that's spiritual cowardice. Man, the rain is coming down on what should be a sunny day. One pastor described it this way. He says, quote, so despite Samson's capacity to defeat the Philistines, the people did not rally around him. In fact, they saw Samson's antics as a threat to their own peace with the Philistines. If you don't want to be free, God will let you remain in bondage. I would say it this way. I think our culture has lost the true definition of some words. Like, for example, bravery or courage. I think as a culture, we've lost the real true meanings of this. I'll give you an example. It bugs me. Like when there's like some big award show, the Grammys or the Oscars or whatever, and all the, the, the celebrities start showing up. And there'll be like some female celebrity hardly wearing anything. And they're like, wow, so brave. Red carpet, wow, so courageous. You have no clue what those words mean. 
Actually, you know, the truth is words do have a right definition. They do have a right meaning. Let me remind you of what bravery is. December 7th, 1941, Japanese forces surprise attacked the U.S. base at Pearl Harbor, killing thousands of Americans and sinking multiple ships. It was a day of vicious violence and a great loss for our country. However, it was also a day when real bravery and courage was shown. I'll give you two examples. Annie G. Fox was the head nurse at the hospital when the attack hit. She was the first U.S. servicewoman to receive the Purple Heart for her bravery and courage in those days, those gruesome hours after the attack. As they gave her the award, they said, quote, she taught civilian nurses how to make dressings, work ceaselessly with coolness and efficiency, and her fine example of calmness, courage, and leadership was of great benefit to the morale of all. That's real bravery. Another one, a guy named Doris Miller was a cook aboard the USS Virginia. He was actually collecting laundry when the attack hit. And at first they assigned him just to help get the wounded off of the decks. And eventually he started carrying ammunition up to the gunners. And at one point he jumps on one of the anti-aircraft guns and fires. And he says this, quote, I just pulled the trigger and she worked fine. I mean, he sounds like he could be from Texas, right? <laughs> he said, I had watched others with these guns. I guess I fired her for about 15 minutes. He was awarded the Navy Cross, was the first African-American to receive the award. That's actual bravery. That's actual courage. The men of Judah in Judges 15 are cowards. They're trying to remove the leader that God has provided for them. They're actually trying to hand him over to the very enemy that dominate their lives. Verse 12 and 13, Samson said to them, swear to me that you will not kill me. Verse 13, they said to him, no, but we will bind you fast and give you into their hands, yet we won't kill you. We won't kill you, Samson, but if they do, sorry, not our fault. Think of what's happening here. The Philistines have been ruling over Israel for over 40 years. God says, okay, I'm sending you a judge, a deliverer. The only time you see the men of Judah put together an army, a military force in the life of Samson is right here, and it's to capture him and hand him over to the enemy. Rain coming down on a sunny day. And you know what? We're going to hear those voices every day of our life. Courage or cowardice? Every day you've got to make that choice. You say, Josh, what does that sound like? I'm glad you asked. I'll give you some examples. Cowardice says to you, there's some things you can't beat, some addictions you can't shake. That's just how you are. Courage says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Cowardice says, truth changes. What used to be wrong can now be right. Courage says, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth, and it endures. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. Cowardice says, it's okay to be like the world around you. Just blend in. Courage says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Cowardice says, prioritize your comfort. Be okay with the status quo. Courage says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
Cowardice says, if you try to stand for something, you're going to be alone and you're going to lose. Courage says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's the truth. When the rain is coming down on a sunny day, guess what? That's the time for real men of God and real women of God to stand on the truth and be courageous. And that day is today. That time is now. Some questions to consider. Am I listening to the voice of cowardice or courage? What's one way I can take a stand for God this week? Secondly, who do I see exemplifying godly courage? How can I encourage them today? So you choose your role over revenge. You commit to courage over cowardice. And finally, you celebrate provision over pride. Go with me to verse 14. So when he, Samson, came to Lahai, the Philistines shouted as they met him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, so that the ropes that were on his arms were as flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds dropped from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, so he reached out and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey heaped upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have killed a thousand men. Notice a couple things here. First, notice Samson shows what could have been. Victory. It's right here. The spear of the Lord comes upon Samson, and man, there's victory. This is what could have and should have been. Notice also, too, Samson fights alone. 3,000 men of Judah right there, they don't lift a finger. And that means Samson celebrates alone. You'll notice a, a real issue in Samson's life is the lack of male friendships, a lack of other dudes in the foxhole with him who encourage him and keep him accountable. It's a problem for him. And notice that Samson celebrates himself. Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. He kills a thousand guys with the jawbone of a donkey, and Samson says, I did it. I did it. In March of 1990, there was a young NBA player. Uh, I think he was pretty good. His name was Michael Jordan. And uh, he had himself a, a pretty good game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. In a win, he scored 69 points, grabbed 18 rebounds, had six assists and four steals. He dominated the game in every single way that night. One of his teammates was a rookie named Stacy King, and they interviewed Stacy King after the game. And Stacy King said this, I'll always remember this as the night Michael Jordan and I combined to score 70 points. <laughs> For those of you not great at math like myself, that means he scored one. It strikes me as a very Samson-type quote. God shows up, empowers him, gives him great victory, and Samson's like, I did it. Aren't you glad no other human beings struggle with taking credit for stuff? I mean, we've, we're so different than Samson, right? Now look what happens in verse 18. Then he became very thirsty. And he called to the Lord and said, you have given this great, you have, and now he gets it, you have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? But God split the hallow place that is in Lahai so that water came out of it. And when he drank, his strength returned and he revived. Notice this. It's the first time you see Samson pray. Lack of prayer is also one of the key factors in his life. 
The only times you see Samson pray are when he's in real trouble. And it's the same pattern. He's still kind of prideful. He acknowledges God a little bit, and yet God graciously provides for him anyways. Think of the whole scenario. One pastor sums it up. He says this, quote, one of Samson's greatest moments, and it comes at the end of a whole series of incredibly stupid decisions. He went to the wrong place. He looked for the wrong thing. He married the wrong girl. He made a bad bet. He gave into revenge and uncontrollable anger. He went down, down, down. And it's at this hopeless moment Samson achieved greatness. His past didn't matter. That's the grace of God. Can I bring you really good news? God does the same for every one of us. We don't deserve it, and yet he shows up and he provides for us. He provides exactly what we need. And get this, in this chapter where everything's going wrong, everybody's making the wrong choice. The rain is coming down on a sunny day. Guess what? Even here, it's pointing us to the truth of the gospel. Even here, we see gospel hope. Let me show you some connections here. Samson was rejected by his own people, just as Jesus will be rejected by his own. Samson's arrested by his own people, just as Jesus will be arrested by his own. Samson doesn't resist when his own people betray him, just as Jesus will not. Samson was bound by cords, just as Jesus will have his hands bound as he goes off to trial. Samson's handed over to certain death, just as Jesus will be handed over. And a key point of difference, Samson secures a temporary victory over the Philistines, but Jesus secures an eternal victory over Satan, sin, and death for all who trust in him. Even in the midst of a dark, rainy day, when everyone's going wrong, man, it's still pointing us to the gospel. Have you ever seen the rain on sunny days? I'll tell you, it happened at Calvary. As Jesus went to the cross, it says at noonday, the skies went dark. And I don't know if it was literal physical rain, but I tell you the truth, the rain of God's judgment against our sin fell upon the innocent one, Jesus Christ. The light of the world crucified for the darkness of sin in us. The innocent slain for the wicked. The righteous killed in place of the unrighteous. Let me say it this way. In Christ, God has provided a Savior who suffered. So when you don't understand the dark clouds forming in your life, trust the Son of God. He provides. Some questions to consider. Where has God provided for me lately? Am I walking in gratitude for all he has done? Am I looking to be generous to others like he has been to me? And secondly, God graciously gives his very best, his son, Jesus Christ. Have I trusted him as Savior and Lord? Even when the rain comes on a sunny day, when life doesn't make sense, we can still hold on to hope and persevere. We've seen that in three ways today. We see that we choose your role over revenge, you commit to courage over cowardice, and you celebrate his provision over your own pride. And I would tell you this. Sometimes, man, you can't outrun the storm. In May of 2012, my wife and I were planning to take our boys on a vacation to, to Florida, and we were going to drive to Florida and go to the beach for a little bit. And we're looking at the weather forecast, and this huge storm coming off the Gulf Coast was going to hit 
all of like East Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi and Alabama. It was literally going to hit like our whole tribe. And so I was like, all right, well, let's leave at midnight. Maybe we can outrun it. I'll, I'll drive first. We'll leave at midnight. We'll, we'll just try to outrun the storm. Yeah, good luck. That storm comes in off the Gulf Coast, and we were driving in rain the whole way. Hard, heavy rain. And man, it wasn't until we got there that we could like, ah, relax. Man, life can be like that. Can't always outrun the storm. Rain shows up even on sunny days. But this is what God reminded me of as I studied this chapter. And this is the final thought I want to leave you with. It's, It's simply this. Storms don't last forever, but God's love does. Hope in him. Because even on rainy days, God still reigns. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for tough chapters of scripture that you help us to see beautiful truth in. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, you know the ones who the storm clouds have shown up in their life. God, maybe it's caught them by surprise, and they're facing some storms now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring your comfort, your peace, your presence right now. And they would know they're not alone in that storm, that you're you're there, right there with them. And you will see them through it. The storm won't last. Your love does. It never fails us. It never gives up. And Father, I pray that we would learn to sing to you and praise your name even in the midst of the rain. I pray you'd hear us now as we lift our voice and sing to you, our good King. We love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church slash give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.